Welcome to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. My name's Tammy Simon. I'm the founder of Sounds True. And I'd love to take a moment to introduce you to the new Sounds True Foundation. The Sounds True Foundation is dedicated to creating a wiser and kinder world by making transformational education widely available. We want everyone to have access to transformational tools such as mindfulness, emotional awareness, and self-compassion, regardless of financial, social, or physical challenges. The Sounds True Foundation is a nonprofit dedicated to providing these transformational tools to communities in need, including at-risk youth, prisoners, veterans, and those in developing countries. If you'd like to learn more or feel inspired to become a supporter, please visit SoundsTrueFoundation.org. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, it is my deep delight to have as my guest, A.H. Almas. A.H. Almas is the pen name of Hamid Ali, who has written numerous books, including Runaway Realization and The Unfolding Now. In 1976, he founded the Ridwan School, which is a worldwide organization dedicated to the path of spiritual inquiry and development called the Diamond Approach. In my own life, speaking with Hamid has been some of the most instructive and illuminating conversations that I've ever had the pleasure of having. In this conversation, Hamid and I talk about presence as an elixir of enlightenment, and this is an introduction to a new eight-week online course featuring Hamid, the co-founder of The Diamond Approach, Karen Johnson, two senior teachers, Deborah and Morton Litovsky. The course begins on April 1st, and you can visit us at SoundsTrue.com to learn more. And now, let's dive in and venture into the heart of enlightenment. Here's my conversation with Hamid Ali. Welcome, everyone. It's a great delight to be able to welcome you to this conversation that I'm about to have with A.H. Almas, which is the pen name for Hamid Ali, about a new eight-week online course we've partnered together to create called Presence, Venture into the Heart of Enlightenment. And there's a lot to talk about. And I'm excited to get right into it. But first, I just want to introduce you very briefly to Hamid. Along with Karen Johnson, he is the founder of the Diamond Approach, which is an inner work school that takes students on a path of self-realization to discover what Hamid calls being a true human being. And in my own experience, the Diamond Approach has deepened my spiritual life and my sense of appreciation of life in so many ways that it's a great joy to be able to bring to this wider Sounds True audience 
Hamid Ali and this course on presence. Hamid, welcome. Uh, hi, Tammy. Hi, everybody. I'm happy to be here. It's great, great privilege and delight. I want to begin here, Hamid, at the beginning, which is within the diamond approach. What is presence? You know, I remember my first experience years ago, over 40 years ago. I was uh, meditating. And at some point, I was having headaches for a year, you know, before that, similar to what Krishnamurti used to have. And then one day I was meditating and I felt this thickness inside my body and rising kind of thick, dense thing, which I thought was an obstruction or something. I didn't know what it was. But so but sort of I let it go. And then next day or two, I was walking around and I felt this sense of aliveness, some sense of being me the sense of textured fullness that I thought might be physical, turned out wasn't physical. It was like a textured fullness that has texture, it has sensation, that has um, a sense of uh, uh, flow, sense of uh, aliveness, sense of knowingness, knowing itself. And I felt I am being myself as a living presence, a living conscious presence that knows itself. And I felt at the same time connected with all human beings. That was my first sense of presence was, I wasn't feeling that I'm connected with everything, with all the universe that came later, but it felt more like I was connected with all human being. I was feeling the very essence and nature of being human. So, Hamid, after that first discovery, was this sense of being in touch or suffused with presence, was that something that came and went for you in your life experience? Yeah, for a while it came and went before it became stabilized and uh, continuous. So that, ta that takes work. It takes work. I had to see what was in the way, you know, uh, obstacles, beliefs, uh, stuff like that. And then it became a continuing presence and then continuing sense of being me, being present as me and knowing what me is, you know, in a very phenomenologically uh, clear way and me in a very, you could say, um, uh, synesthetic way, like I was, feeling, sensing, seeing, knowing, hearing, all the senses were involved in knowing the presence. Mm -hmm. Now, Hamid, I haven't told you this, but I actually have a secret agenda for this webinar. It may or may not happen, but I, I have yeah. one, which is I want as many people as possible who are listening to this to actually connect with presence themselves, for themselves. That's my secret agenda. Well, I think when we did the course, that was our intention. Yep, yep. To make it as experiential as possible. Yep. So right here, even, in this conversation, 
someone's listening and they're like, wow, I used a lot of different words, you know, textured, aliveness. How do I connect with this right now in my own experience, says the listener. Yeah, so like, for instance, when you feel your interiority, you feel tensions and, or irritation, you feel your emotions, you feel, you know, first is sen sensation, which are physical, mostly. There is affects, which are emotions, and there are thoughts that has knowing in them. Presence has all of those together. There is sensation, which is the sensation of being or existing, you know, it's a sensation, and the sensation is of a texture, which could be a roundedness, a fullness, a flow, uh, in, uh, intensity, density, uh, and viscosity, which is the, how things flow, like honey or water. And, but there is affect, which meaning the a feeling of the no, uh, uh, the sensation all of it all of them coalesce to become to become a feeling a felt sense just like an emotion but the here it is not an emotion it is an affect to the presence to the texture which is a medium it's a medium that has a, sen a sense that knows itself through sensing itself but the sensing itself comes with uh, an affect, and the affect is being, existing. And that affect means knowing. So that the knowing is, is a feeling of, of existing, but the feeling has, implies knowing. I know that the feeling is not just feeling an emotion, it's feeling of being, feeling of existing, feeling of a fullness and the fullness implies the existence the substantial sense of i am here being my being so the knowing and the affect and the sensation are all integrated together as one experiential thing as a, a manifold or uh, a medium of subjectivity that has no boundaries and no form or, sh or shape but has all those elements of experience all integrated as one thing which is usually called gnosis or noesis or yeshe or marifa for the sufis now i know hamid after your discovery of presence that you referred to it as an elixir of enlightenment can you explain that phrase yeah, that's a good question, uh, Tammy. I think one thing I was thinking about. Many of the people, when they talk about presence, teachers and teaching, they mean a specific state. Like I was remembering, you know, listening to a video by uh, Eckhart Tolle talking, titled The Essence of Presence, the True or the Nature of Presence. And he has a very nice you know, presentation. And, and finally, he comes to the punchline, which is, he says, the way it's experienced as a spacious clarity, and which I resonated with, appreciated. But for me, 
that is one of the states of presence, one of the results of presence. It is not the presence that I call the elixir of enlightenment. It's the same thing similar to Dzogchen, for instance. They talk about presence because for Dzogchen, at least they go further than uh, Eckhart Tolle or many of the uh, Advaita Vedanta, like uh, Francis Lucille, Rupert Spira, Muji, all of them. They talk about presence but they talk about it as consciousness, pure consciousness, consciousness of itself. Zakshin goes further and says that uh, the, the, the realized condition is, has five ways, we call the five Buddhas, the five awareness of the Buddha, which is one, one of them is the unity of emptiness and awareness which is actually what uh, Eckhart Tolle was talking about. Another one is the unity of emptiness and compassion. And one of them is the unity of uh, emptiness and space. And another one, they say, the unity of emptiness and presence. So they differentiate between presence and awareness which the Advaita Vedanta doesn't. But even in Zakshin, when they say unity of emptiness and presence, it is like, in the experience of it, is a transparent, empty uh, presence, which is like an awareness. But that is only one state of presence, the way I see it. It is not the elixir. When I mean by the elixir, is something simpler and not as transcendent as all of the All of those are talking about transcendent states of presence. When I talk about presence, I don't mean just the transcendent. I mean presence as its original sense of just the sense of being, the sense of being, being myself as being, as presence, as the fullness substantial sense of uh, almost a substance that is now the substance that's almost like a medium and the medium is of a luminosity that has texture of uh, an awareness that has fullness uh, a consciousness that has body and that is like a sense of presence that is fullness that is uh, texture, that has viscosity, that has density, that has color, that has all of those, I call that present. And that can then change from one quality, one thing that can become the spacious uh, clarity that, uh, you know, Tolle talked about, or it can become the consciousness that, uh, that Veda talks about, or it can become the unity of emptiness and awareness and, and presence that uh, Zakshin talked about. But it is much more than those. Those are one of the ways it can be, trans can reveal. But, in its, but you need to recognize this first for it to become the elixir of enlightenment. So any of those are not the elixir of enlightenment. These are 
the enlightenment, states of enlightenment. The elixir of enlightenment is the presence that generates the enlightenment conditions, which is the sense of being yourself, being yourself, being myself, at the presence that I am, which is individual, but without it being bounded. This individual can be boundless, but it can be just uh, sense of present individual or not indiv individual, but a sense of a living presence that is conscious of itself. And the important thing, it is being conscious of itself, knowing itself as being. And the being has a fullness, has a liveness, has a consciousness, awareness, luminosity, has a bodiness to it. Mm -hmm. That is very specific, you see. And that is very specific, but then it is changeable. It can become, has a, can, it's usually colorless. It's transparent and clear, but it can have a color. It can have a golden color with the texture of like honey. It can have the golden sense of honey, you know, and the viscosity of the flow of honey. Like I feel my whole heart, my whole body is drenched. It's full of a honey kind of medium and has the sweetness of honey. It has the texture of, and the stickiness of honey. The, the, the fullness or the richness of honey, but also that honey feels as being, as presence. Now I'm feeling presence and uh, beingness, but in the quality of the richness of the heart. So now presence, because functioning as the lecture enlightenment is manifesting itself as the richness of the heart. And then, of course, can manifest itself as the spaciousness of awareness, as Zogchen will, will talk about. Okay, I have two questions about what you're saying here. The first is, I'm not 100% yeah. sure I understand elixir, the metaphor of elixir. I mean, an elixir is like a concentrated liquid substance. That's what I think. So why an elixir? Because it is, feels like a concentrated liquid substance. That's how I first experienced presence. I even used to call it substance before I call it uh, presence, actually. Okay. So somebody's listening and they're like, you know, God, I just want to be present. I want to be present when I'm with my kids. I want to be present when I'm doing my work and I'm walking in the woods. This is sounding pretty complicated. Truth is, I'm getting a little confused. I'd be pretty gosh darn happy with spacious clarity and a feeling of being. Do I really need to dig in here and understand all of this? Question mark. How's it going to help me? It can help you, but you don't need it. You can be present by practicing mindfulness. You could be present by sensing your arms and legs, for instance. You could be present by your practicing presence. Without knowing presence, you can be present. Being present and knowing presence are not the same thing, although they're related. Being presence, I am present naturally. But if you just want to be present to your family, you don't need to know yourself. To know yourself, you need to know presence. Okay. So you, you need to be interested 
and spiritual transformation, realization, to want to know about presence. If you just want to be present, many people talk about being present. Even business people, politicians talk about, oh, let's be present now. That doesn't mean anything about spirituality. It means presence of mind. What people talk about presence is presence of mind. The presence I'm talking about is the presence of being. Presence of spirit, the being of spirit itself. Where the presence of mind is an outer expression of it, is a surface part of manifestation, is, the, is, the, is one of its side effects, side product is you're present to your environment. But when, you are, when you're experiencing spiritual presence, you're not just present to your environment, you're present to your spiritual nature, you, you are open then to the manifestation of the secrets of spirit, all the way to enlightenment. And how do you define enlightenment, Hamid? Enlightenment meaning knowing your nature and the nature of the universe, in an ongoing way. Now, one of the things that I thought was so interesting in this new online course on presence, venturing into the heart of enlightenment, is the connection that you make between discovering presence and finding meaning in one's life, having a sense that my life feels meaningful. And I think a lot of people on a spiritual journey, when they begin, have a sense of meaninglessness. That's part of what they're looking for meaning. So can you help yeah. people understand the connection? Yeah. There is what I call relative meaning and complete or absolute meaning. Relative meaning is that you, have, you find the meaning of your experience right now. Like, I am happy, but what's the meaning of that? Well, because I am happy that I know myself. Or I'm happy because I know that this person loves me. That's meaningful. That I know who loves me. That makes my life has more meaning. So that's meaning. But the meaning of life, what people people mean the meaning of life. You cannot get the meaning of life through that way, through being loved or, or uh, having understanding the meaning of particular action, the meaning of particular experience. The meaning of life is the presence itself, the presence of spirit itself. When you experience the presence of spirit itself, the textured medium, that has fullness and knowingness and realness and truth, independent of mind, independent of history, independent of characteristics and forms. That itself is the presence of meaning because when you experience yourself that way, not by knowing it, by being it. That's, if you know presence that I'm talking about, you don't still, you still have the, the question you're looking for meaning. When you know that that present is you and you experience, I am this present. I am the presence that I am. I am the being that I am. 
am the being that I am, which is the being of everybody and everything. When you experience that, the, the question, the seeking for meaning disappears. You might feel this is the meaning of my life, but that is an inference. It's more like the question, what is the meaning of life disappears, is gone. Because the meaning of life is present without it feeling like the meaning of life. So, Hamid, let's say someone's listening and they're having the thought, I might be connecting with presence and I might be connecting with what Hamid is pointing to here, but I might not. I don't know. I might be confused. Is there some litmus test that someone can use in their own experience right here and now to know if their experience is mapping on to what you're describing or not? Well, yes. If you feel, if you know your existence, not by inference, meaning if, like uh, Descartes says, I think, therefore I am. Or, so, or you could say, I feel my body, therefore I am. Or you could say, I can perceive myself, I have thoughts and feelings and I have a life, therefore I am. You don't know what I'm talking about. If you say, I know that I am because I am experiencing I am directly, immediately, without any inference by anything else, just the existence itself, I know the existence itself by, by feeling it right now, then that you know what I'm talking about. Then you are experiencing the presence I'm talking about. I hope that simplifies things. I, I liked it. I liked it a because lot. I, I, you're helping me simply because I tend to be complex because I talk from the depth always. I don't know how not to do that, but I'm glad you're helping me speak to people to where they can understand. You're helping me increase my complexity and my appreciation of complexity. So thank yeah. you. Thank you, Hamid. Okay, you're welcome. Now, I know one of the central practices within the diamond approach. In fact, I think you call it the central practice. The core practice is inquiry, yeah. practicing right. inquiry. How could yeah. one, once again, I'm looking for these gateways for people. How could one inquire in such a way that they could deepen their discovery of presence? What kind of inquiry questions might they work with? Well, okay, there, there are many, because our inquiry is not inquiry just in presence, but inquiry is in everything. Because everything, if you inquire into it to its depth, it will take you to presence. So you could inquire into your who you are, for instance, like Ramana Maharshi, what am I? That will take you to presence. Or you could inquire into your a sense of meaninglessness in your life that can take you to presence. Or you can inquire into your relationship. Why, how come my relationships are not working? And then that could take you to what is relationship for me? And that will take you to what does relating mean? What does, what does relating mean? What does feeling I am related or I am relating to somebody mean? That will take you to a certain form of presence that has to do with relationship, with relating. So uh, 
inquiry is inquiring into any part of our experience and by being letting our experience be not interfering with it not trying to change not trying to take not trying to use it to take us anywhere else but just want to know the truth of it the meaning of it if we do that the experience of its nature will transform or will begin to reveal more of what it is about and if we could continue inquiring and not just stop there not assume we know that there is always something we don't know we continue to be interested and curious that unfoldment of meaning of our experience will develop will take develop naturally into the meaning that is presence that is actually why the sufis you word for uh, presence uh, in arabic is ma'na which means meaning use the word meaning to mean presence okay i think an example might be helpful here hamid because i could imagine someone inquiring and asking the question who am i and yeah. feeling into it and they would get to presence and that might seem kind of intuitively obvious but yeah. when you use the example of like inquiring into our relationships so you know i have some relationship drama of some kind why did this yeah. person not call me back or whatever how is that going to take me to presence because if you explore into about your question of relationship you might get at some point to the place of I don't have a real relationship. But you have to see if he first recognize inquiry into relationship and see how deep and how superficial they are, how real, how false they are. By inquiring to that, you find out, do you really have a real relationship that feel like it's a true felt relating with true contact, with true personalness? And if you inquire into that, very likely for most people, you will feel, no, they don't have something like that. What they have is a story or some kind of a role they play with each other, like have a husband and a wife and all that. We have the activities we do together. We enjoy each other. But the actual sense that I'm in direct personal contact with you, with somebody, that illusion, I don't know what that is. If you get to this place, I don't know what that is, that is good. But that will open you to some kind of openness, spaciousness. That'd be a difficult openness at some point, a difficult emptiness, because it'll be the absence of a true relationship, the absence of true contact, the absence of true personalness. If you let yourself feel that absence, that might allow the true presence that is true relational presence arise, which will feel like personal sense of presence. It's a presence that also has a sense in it of being personal, able to relate personally without personal stories. Like I could be personal without telling stories by how I relate to the person by who they are, by seeing who they are, their uniqueness, and relate to them that way in the present, without telling stories about myself, trying to tell, find out their stories. 
that brings what I call a personal presence. So I just gave an example of how to discover personal kind of presence, which is a presence that appearing in a quality of being personal and relational and contactful, which is the essence of contact. Mm -hmm. Hi friends, my name is Jono Fisher. I'm the Executive Director of the Sounds True Foundation. The Sounds True Foundation is a new non-profit organization dedicated to bringing the benefits of transformational education to communities in need, including at-risk youth, prisoners, veterans, and those in developing countries. A prisoner wrote to us and shared his experience of how a Sounds True program changed his life. He said, I've been sitting in the chapel sound room, listening to one of your programs about healing the father-son wound. I've always hated my father, but never knew why, nor have I wanted to change the way I feel. As I listened, I began to bawl like a baby. I'm glad I was alone because I couldn't stop myself. I called my dad that night and asked him if he would visit, which is not done since I came to prison. Thanks to Sounds True for letting me feel something positive for the first time in years. If you'd like to learn more about how the Sounds True Foundation is helping change lives or to become a supporter, please visit soundstruefoundation.org. Now, in the course on presence, venturing into the heart of enlightenment, at one point you use this really interesting phrase that if we can connect and stay with a feeling of a deficit of some kind, you know, in the example you just gave, you know, I was reflecting yeah. on a certain relationship in my life that does feel like it's surface, not really there, that you called it a jump gate. That by going into that feeling of lack, actually, that can be a jump gate into presence. I would love you to make that clear for our listeners. Well, usually the transition from the ordinary experience, which is the experience of the personality or the self, to the realm of spiritual presence, you have to go through a transition. The transition is a kind of a hiatus, a kind of an abyss kind of an emptiness, kind of not knowing. Not knowing, which can feel like, I don't know, I'm lost. I don't know, uh, which feels like some kind of emptiness, some kind of vacuity that can feel has the absence of particular quality, like the absence of personalness, or the absence of love, for instance, if the, what you're looking for is love, acquiring into love, or the absence of uh, power. If you don't feel your personal power, you feel the absence of power. And that, that's an, or the absence of existence, being itself sometimes. All these are specific kind of, uh, uh, of uh, 
emptiness or in each one of them, even though it could be difficult and intolerable, is really the, the jump gate into that part of experience of presence or manifestation of being that comes to the particular quality that we are looking for, whether it's love or power or just being itself, existence itself. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's a jump gate because jump gate is like a wormhole, which means uh, an opening in time and space that can take you to that other place instantaneously if you jump in, into it, just like Dr. Strange makes a circle and jumps into it and he's in a different place. So if you really get go into that emptiness, that would be the shortest path into that quality or uh, kind of presence you are inquiring into accessing. So it is really scary, but if we deal with the fears, and it's possible to work with the fear and reaction, the terror sometimes, or the loss, or the sadness, or the hurt. All of these are emotions that go appear before we see the jump gate clear. If we see the emptiness, we're accepting it, and we're comfortable with it. That's what makes it become a jump gate into the quality. Then presence, you find yourself suddenly full of presence, one kind or another. Now, Hamid, I want to ask you a personal question about this course on presence. I know for me why I care so much about introducing as many people as possible to this course, because it's been so meaningful for me in my own life. It's been so helpful and deepening, as I said in the beginning, of my appreciation of being a human being alive at this time. Why right. for you? Why do you have it feels to me like a heart investment, if you will, a passion, interest in a course on presence reaching an audience. Why do you care? Two things. The most one, the personal one, is I, I know my, by me learning about presence, I'm liberated. I am myself in a free way, and I can explore reality in an open-ended way that is full of fun, mirth, depth, meaning, uh, love, enjoyment, generosity, all that, and, uh, and gratitude for life. And I want that for all of my fellow human beings. So naturally, I want it for everybody to know it. And I know there are many people who are interested, want that. They might not know it, but the people who are engaged in spiritual teaching or looking for spiritual teaching, they're looking for that specifically. And I'm talking to those people specifically. And those people can learn about presence. And if they learn about it, they have the opportunity to be somebody like me and other people who have found themselves and have been liberated. That is one reason. The other reason, I am the, the mouthpiece of a particular path, a teaching that I am an approach. And it is part of my mission to put this teaching out to humanity because I was given this job. It is my mission, my destiny, my job, 
It is what God told me, you go do that. And what I am to do is to put this teaching out to humanity. And a central part of this teaching is presence. Teaching of presence. So it is part of my destiny. It is, can't help it. It's my job, my yeah. destiny, and I can't help it. You're doing a good job, Hamid. That's what I, that's what I do. Yeah. Now, interestingly, a couple times as you've talked about the experience of presence, you've described it as something like feeling like myself, being myself. And I think yeah. sometimes when presence is described as more of this transcendent, spacious clarity, it's more like yeah. there is no myself in the picture. It's just, you know, endless beingness. Some, right. you know, so what is this myself in the midst of presence that you're referring to? Okay. First of all, I mean, the experience of boundless, as you said, transcendent presence, right? Presence can become individual, like I talk about like honey or personalness or power, or it could be boundless and transcendent and infinite, what's called non-dual presence. But, you know, that kind of present can be experienced as self, like the Advaita Vedanta, take it as self. You know, Ramana Maharshi said, it is the self. Nisargadada said, that is I. I mean, and so, uh, 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 Shankara said, it is the true self, the ultimate self. So it can be, can feel as a self. If, however, it doesn't have to feel as a self, just like the way Buddhism experiences the, this transcendent presence, but they don't feel as self, they feel it is as what reality is. You are experiencing what reality is, experiencing the true nature of everything. And, and the true nature of everything, even the Buddha will say, that is still you. It is what your nature. They don't say it's you, they say it's you. True nature is your true nature. So it's just because this is the true nature of everything. Because Buddhism really, uh, if you go to the depth of it, if you go to the Mahayana and the inner nature of Mahayana, like the highest yoga tantra or the Sakyan, they have a concept of soul, something as what we call individual consciousness or individual clear light. And uh, if you say that, if you know the individual clear light, that is the same thing as true self. And uh, that true self is present. Clear light is a presence but that is clear, that flows like crystalline kind of uh, flow of, of uh, awareness and fullness. And that can be feel like self, but it is not the self in the sense of we call self like a body or a center of functioning and knowing, but self in the sense it is what my being is. Uh, or it's not even my being, it's just being, but there is a self, what I call first personal givenness to it. Meaning even the people who could say it's not a self, there's no self, it's selfless. It is somebody who is talking. 
Good point. It's never, it's never the mountain talking or the sky talking. It is always a being, a human being. In that sense, in that sense, it is always the that particular being who is saying it is selfless being. In that sense, it is connected with that person. In that sense, that that's why I understand the Vedanta or the Hindu. Uh, why they say it is uh, the true self, but you can experience it as a selfless being. Mm -hmm. You know, interestingly, Hamid, in this eight-week course on presence, and I, I do want to let our listeners know that the course begins on April 1st, and as part of the course, there will be three question and answer sessions with Hamid where you can ask your questions about the course content and also a question and answer session with Karen Johnson. In the eight weeks of teachings, quite a bit of attention is given to this knowing of ourselves as you referred to it as individual consciousness or as a soul. Help me understand why within the diamond approach this appreciation is so critical to a course on presence. Uh, it is important partly because many teachings don't talk about it. And I think when they're not talking about it, they are uh, not being as useful as they can be for the people, for the listeners. Because the listeners experience themselves as individuals. And the individuals, you know, most, it's like that Veda said, you're experiencing yourself as an individual, but that's a delusion. And that is true. The, the ego individual is a delusion. However, the ego individual is, doesn't come out of nowhere, comes out of something individual, but is not the ego individual. Individual in the sense that consciousness can individualize itself individualize itself as being, as a being that knows, that is conscious. And what the Advaita Vedanta neglects to say that uh, this uh, beingness that, uh, that we are deluded about is always using a being to know itself. So that being is not a delusion. Because the, the beingness that a Brahman needs, or the, the Sitachet Ananda needs, or that the, what the Buddhists called uh, Dharmakaya need, is a being, always. It's always a human being. That individual is not a delusion, because it is itself. The consciousness, the bondless consciousness, individualizing itself as an individual being that is living on earth or somewhere else and waking up to know itself as the bondless being. But as Shankara himself, the, could be considered the founder of Veda Vedanta, says in his writing that the soul is nothing but the boundless consciousness individualizing itself as an individual consciousness. And it is this individual consciousness that learns that wakes up to true nature. True nature doesn't wake up to itself. It wakes up to itself through an individual. 
That's what I call the first personal givenness to any experience, including the experience of enlightenment. It's always a person, somebody who is enlightened. You cannot say Buddha nature is enlightened. It's already enlightened. But it has to come through an individual. And that individual cannot be a delusion, cannot be a makeup. Why does true nature, which is uh, fundamental, ultimate truth, need the delusion or a lie to know itself? And that's why I disagree with the new Vedantists who say it's an illusion or a make-believe. You know, it's real. The individual is real, and it's very important, this teaching, to put, that's part of the mission of this teaching, is to show the, this age that you as a human being, there's something real about you because your true nature as an individual is a consciousness, a soul that lives and knows and can know itself as presence, as a living presence that can think, feel, and know. But fundamentally, it is a presence and this presence that can know the transcendent presence. So the transcendent presence is the inner nature of this individual consciousness. So in the individual consciousness, the soul is the, is the expression of the boundlessness of the infinity of the transcendence in life, in manifestation. It's, it's like a protrusion of the purity of consciousness into manifestation. That is not just pure consciousness, but an expression of consciousness. In appreciating oneself as a real soul, as a real human being soul, how do I not get confused with ego identifications in the process? Because I think that's where people are like, I don't want, I don't want, God, I don't want to identify with, you know, with my ego here. That's, it sounds dangerous. Uh, of course, that's the problem. That and that's the, uh, why Vedanta, the new Vedantists, don't get it because they think that if you are individual, you're going to be ego, and there is that danger if you take your your ego as your soul, because the ego is nothing but the soul that misidentified itself through the structuring of time by taking roles and self-images and impressions of the past, and that way structuring the soul with those images to know yourself. But the, to know the soul, you have to let go of all these things and know how you can be an individual consciousness without the history. So the litmus test is that the soul is independent of its history, independent of its images, independent of its relationship, independent of its mother and father, to know itself as an individual consciousness. Now, one of the things that you teach in the Course on Presence when you're talking about the soul, this is a, a statement from the Course, the soul is an organism that grows and evolves. I thought that was really interesting. Can you help me understand that, Hamid? Yeah. Pure consciousness or pure presence is just beingness that is. It's perfect in what it is. 
But as it manifests, individualizes itself as a being, that being is an organism, an organism of consciousness. Like consciousness manifests an organism of consciousness or puts itself into organism of consciousness made out of consciousness, but at the beginning it is sort of not that developed, not that refined. It's more sort of an, an animal level, knows itself as body or through the body, but doesn't know itself in itself as consciousness. As it, it learns and develop and grows, and because it needs to develop and grow, it first has to survive through a body, because it needs a body. As you know, Buddhism says you have to be human to be enlightened, for instance. Why? Because you have to have a body. You have to have sense organs. You have to develop a capacity of knowing and discrimination. You have to develop a mind or the knowing to become enlightened because you need knowing to know you're enlightened. And that's why there, there is this organism. Organism meaning it is something that grows. It's like the body is an organism. But the soul is an organism that is not physical. It's made out of pure consciousness, pure presence. But it is a presence that grows and develops different from the fundamental presence. Fundamental presence doesn't grow. It is what it is eternally so. But it comes through an organism that develops. And its development, when it is mature and developed, it knows itself as this presence that doesn't change. But in its individual form, it's never ending its development because this uh, fundamental presence has a great deal of potential of it allows possibilities of experience that are not known it's not just a vastness no it's, it's a lot more to it than that and that's not known that potential will need this organism to grow and develop for it to know these secrets of being these secrets of presence you know, Hamid, you've been talking a lot about knowing. You've been using that word. And I think in some spiritual traditions, there's a huge emphasis that's placed on just letting go into not knowing. Just rest in this ground of being, but you don't really know. You just, oh, I don't know. Great. I let go. I release. I agree. What do you think about that? And can we really know things really the knowing i'm talking about happens through not knowing i'm not talking about any kind of knowing the regular knowing is a is a barrier to the knowing i'm talking about i'm talking about spiritual knowing about the knowing of that's called gnosis that uh Zogchen called rigpa that uh you know, Vedanta called chit, chit, which is consciousness, the knowing of immediacy. And that you need to first not know. You have to let go of the, your ordinary discursive knowing. Let it go and not know. And that is similar to letting go to the knowing, you get into the abyss of not knowing. And that transition to a true knowing is the same thing as transition to presence. Because presence has its own knowing, different than knowing of the regular mind. 
It's a knowing through being. That is the knowing I'm talking about. And you need to let yourself not know. You have to go through the door, the jump gate of not knowing, to know the knowing I'm talking about. The knowing I'm talking about is not mental knowing. It is knowing by being. In the sense that being the and the texture of being, the affect of existence, is the same thing as the knowing. The knowing and the being are the same thing. The knowing and the affect of being, existing, is the same thing. They're not separate. It's not mental. So, in the dimension of presence, Knowing is one of the facets of presence. But presence can go beyond even its own knowing to become non-conceptual presence. Non-conceptual means you are a presence without knowing you are presence. But you are being the presence in its luminosity. But that's not what most people who talk about teaching talk about presence talk about. I'm going something far away now. But let's get back to the presence that knows itself. That is the knowing I'm talking about. And it is not the usual knowing. It's a knowing that comes from the heart, that comes from being, from almost like physical knowing. What do you think might be the, there's clearly a limitation, but maybe even a danger in someone associating presence with one particular end state instead of in all of the different ways you've described in this conversation? Well, that's what many of the teachers and teaching fall into. That's kind of limitation. I mean, that is what, and what I did in my last two books, you know, the runaway realization and the alchemy of freedom is to show now, there are many ways of realization, many ways of enlightenment. Each one of them is an expression of presence. See, presence is the Alexa that allows all these to happen. So experiencing presence as just consciousness, or experiencing presence as just pure empty awareness, experiencing presence as just pure love, everything is love. It's true, it's good, it's liberating, and it's enough really for a human being but it's also a limitation. If you really are an explorer of reality, or you want to be a complete human being, you need to let go of those limitations and always not know. Whatever we know, the knowing shows us there is a more bigger mystery that we can find out more. There's no end to the being, the knowing of being. The knowing of the possibilities of presence. It's endless. It's an endless giver and gives life, fullness, heart, love, freedom, awareness, consciousness, power, you know, and, and many ways of perceiving and knowing that are not available to the ordinary mind.
even even experience changes in Taylor's meaning, you know. Finally, Hamid, I just want to end with this one last question. You just mentioned becoming a complete human being. And your final talk in this eight-week course on presence is titled Becoming a True Human Being. And there there seems to be this connection between being a true human being and a complete human being. Tell me what you mean by this. A complete human being, by what I mean, it's a a concept that's used by Western spiritual tradition, like the Kabbalah, the Suhis. They talk about a complete human being, so we call the insanal camel the complete human or the perfect being. Basically, what that means is that you are both the vastness, the transcendence, and the personal, the individual human being. And by being both at the same time, and they're both real, like one of the Sufi greatest, or the Sufi teachers, Ibn Arabi, Mahidi Ibn Arabi said, God needs the soul as much as the soul needs God. The, God. the soul needs God to exist, and God needs the soul to know its creation. So the, the complete human being is the one who has both sides, who lives in a sense in both worlds, the ordinary world and the transcendent world, and is open to other ways of transcendence, in other words, of living in this world. In this world, So the uh, complete human being, uh, complete in the sense, has both sides, but also has an openness that is open-ended, that's never-ending learning. It's open to learning in all its possibilities. So it's enlightened, complete, complete in terms of enlightened, but not complete in terms of what is possible, because what is possible is infinite. That become that's why we call it a complete human being. You see, it's it's because the human being is infinite in, it, in one's potentialities. Mir, I have to say, I think you're doing a very good job doing your job introducing uh, people. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Introducing bring, people. Bring richness and freedom to the life for as many people as possible. Thanks for listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. At Sounds True, we are dedicated to creating a wiser and kinder world by making transformational education widely accessible. The new Sounds True Foundation exists to remove financial barriers and make sure that people in communities of need have access to transformational tools and teachings. You can find out more at SoundsTrueFoundation.org. I also want to invite you to our first in-person Sounds True gathering, which is a fundraiser for the new Sounds True Foundation. Join us and connect with some of your favorite Sounds True authors in the beautiful redwood forests outside of Santa Cruz. It's a three-day experience filled with learning, inspiration, nature, and connection. It's all happening September 26th through the 29th, 2019. To learn more or reserve a ticket, just visit soundstruefoundation.org forward slash event. 
Again, that's soundstruefoundation.org forward slash event. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to being with you next time. Soundstrue.com, waking up the world 